This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. New Society Publishers has been a leader in sustainable publishing for over 40 years now. They're an activist, solutions-oriented publisher focused on bringing you tools for a world of change. They've now published over 600 books available both in print and ebooks, as well as an increasing library of audiobook selection as well. They care deeply about both what they publish and how they do business, and so the same thinker and doer approach permeates their in-house work and the books themselves. A certified B Corporation, they print on 100% post-consumer recycled paper, and they are carbon neutral, and they print only in North America, never offshore. And that's just the company themselves. Most importantly, they've got the best selection of books that you need to build your own regenerative ecological or community-based projects. You can check out their full list of titles now at newsociety.com. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back. Now that this hot and dry summer is finally winding down, we just got our first decent rains in about two months, I'm starting to focus on setting up the tree nursery for this fall. Now, though the priority at the moment is setting up the irrigation system, I'm also reaching out to some contacts in my area and revisiting some of my favorite interviews on this subject as I design a custom plan for the unique situation that I've got on my land. Now, one of my favorite discussions about tree propagation and running a nursery comes from a two-part interview with Akiva Silver from Twisted Tree Nursery and the author of the book Trees of Power. So I'll hand things over to my former self to fill you in on the details. I wanted to go back to some technical information on specific farming enterprises. Now, one of the most common questions that I get asked from listeners and clients who are starting new projects is about where to begin. Those of you who are familiar with permaculture will know the common advice to live and wait a full year on your site before beginning to design and implement your vision. Now, this time of observation and information gathering can be essential to avoiding common mistakes and preparing your place and design adequately to begin. But it can also be frustrating for many people who just want to get started. And I'm in that category too. And so for that reason, one of the first projects that I encourage people to do is to start a plant nursery. Not only will you start the long process of coaxing plants into maturity, which is worth beginning as soon as possible, it can take some time, but you'll also learn valuable plant care and propagation in the process. Planting your own nursery can also save you money when you eventually begin planting out your design. Anybody who's gone to a nursery can see just how expensive a lot of those plants and the nursery stock can be. And if you enjoy it enough to propagate your own, you can find a market for saplings and seedlings, and you can even make good money selling nursery stock yourself. There are also some real advantages to growing your plants in the soil and in the environment that they'll be living in so that they get a chance to acclimate rather than suffer a harsh adjustment from the heated greenhouse and chemical fertilizers that are so common in most plant nurseries. Now, in order to get a better understanding of just how easy and enjoyable it can be to start a nursery, I spoke with Akiva Silver, who owns and operates Twisted Tree Farm, which is a homestead, nut orchard, and nursery located in Spencer, New York, where he grows around 20,000 trees per year using practices that go far beyond organic. His background is in foraging, wilderness survival, and primitive skills, and he has been observing nature intensively for the last 20 years and cultivating a deep appreciation for life in that time. 
Now, this is a bit of a longer episode for this show, and it's packed with useful and practical information, so I've split it into two episodes. This first session dives into how Akiva first began to propagate trees and his transition into making a business out of it and supporting his family by growing plants. We also get into all kinds of propagation methods and where and how to find the best materials for growing nursery stock. Now next week I'll conclude this interview by exploring how to build a business around growing the plants that you love, improving your soil enough that you can eliminate fertilizers and other inputs, and the maintenance and care of your nursery through the different seasons, and the sales and marketing side of the business as well. Now Akiva's practice on nursery establishment, plant propagation, and caring for your stock is mixed lovingly with his own philosophy of life and connection with nature. There's a whole lot to learn, so I'll hand things over now to Akiva. Akiva, how did you get started working with and propagating plants? I know this goes back quite a ways with you. Yeah, I I started off uh, not thinking about gardening or growing anything. I was just uh, into foraging and hunting and trapping and primitive skills, basically, and uh, really wilderness survival. And uh, but with like Stone Age technology, I didn't want to go any higher than that. Um, I was kind of uh, a a radical, I guess. And then um, but then over time, I started to understand that people can impact the world in positive ways not just negative like I was always trying to like minimize my impact and then I started to realize that people could actually have a big impact but it could be a positive one for wildlife and once I realized that that I could that I could add diversity to the landscape that I could uh, increase wildlife populations then I got pretty excited about growing stuff and uh Actually, the first time I grew trees, I was eating an apple and I like got to the, a bit into the core and I saw the, the shiny brown seeds there. And I, I was just like, I wonder what would happen. And I put those seeds in a pot and they sprouted like a couple weeks later. And, and then I remember seeing them sprout and thinking, oh my God, each one of those is, is an entire apple tree. And I was just hooked since then. And I just started trying to grow as many trees as I could, as many different species. I, I just wanted to grow everything. Um, and I've been pretty excited about growing trees. Uh, I've been doing that avidly for about 15 years now. Fantastic. And at what point did you realize that you could actually make a living for yourself and your family by propagating plants and growing trees? I bought my land in uh, 2009 and with the idea of uh, homesteading and just living there, you know, living close to nature and growing a lot of our food and, uh, and foraging and stuff. And then, but it sucked going to work. You know, I was always driving to work and leaving the place and I just wanted to be there. And, and I was where I did a lot of different work, but a lot of it was landscaping. So I would be going and it was good, good landscaping. It wasn't just like lame, weird suburban stuff. It was, it was, nice properties that people wanted more wildlife habitat and it was good jobs but I always just kept wanting to be home because I had so much stuff I wanted to do on our property and uh and I was uh at this multipile in a municipal multipile loading up my truck one day and my friend pulled in and I was telling him how much you how cool it'd be to make money at home so I didn't have to go and work for other people at super 
plant propagation. And I was like, you're right. Like, I just knew it was right. And uh, I had already been propagating stuff, but I started start trying to sell it after that. I started uh, on Craigslist. And then, um, and then you know, I, I do like tree identification walks for land trusts. And I would tell people that I sold plants and just slowly built from there. And then, and then I got a website. And once I started um, be willing to, once I was willing to ship plants, then it, the business just took right off and I, I uh, quickly quit my job. And did you find right away that there was the demand that, you know, almost outstripped what you could provide? Or did it take a while for you to develop the business aspect to keep up with how much you were able to propagate? It took it took some time, but not that much time. And, and I think that I put in a lot of work before. So I had been already writing articles and posting them to native plant society newsletters and um like i'd already been working on getting my name out there and building an email list and um posting on forums and stuff like that so i I had done some like legwork beforehand but uh but once we made the website and then i said it was available like plants were available for shipping um it was about two months later that I quit all other uh, jobs. And, uh, you know, I think I think I uh, like from the time I decided I wanted to make money growing plants till the time it became full time was maybe two or three years. It wasn't that long. Sure. That's still a pretty good trajectory, especially for a small business. Now, let's start from the beginning here. What do you think are the most important considerations before starting a tree or a plant nursery business? I think if you're, when you're first starting, it's really, there's a couple of things I think are super important. So like one is have a backup income at first. So it'd be it's ideal if you're not working like a full-time job and the nursery, but it's okay if you are. I was working full-time at first. Um, but it's nice if you just have like a part-time job, just because it takes some of the stress off. Because if you suddenly have this pressure, like, oh, now I have to make like $50,000 a year selling plants today, um, it's really, it's, doesn't, it's not fun anymore. And then and what's the point, right? So uh, if you have some income on the side that you know you can count on, then it makes you have more freedom to experiment with growing things and not feel like they have to grow or it's the end of the world. Um, and then, so I think having some income to start is great. And then I think you really have to know what you want to grow. And a lot of people approach, there's two ways to approach it. So if you're like, okay, you know, you're in a plant world, there's so many plants, you know, you go for anything from house plants, tropical plants, fruit trees, uh, woodland herbs, like it's just endless how many different types of plants there are. And so a lot of people will actually think, well, what do people want to buy? And then they'll try to grow that. And I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, personally, I think you really want to think about what do I want to grow? So you have to understand that if you want to grow it, other people want to grow it. There's, there's, there's so many people that grow plants that are gardening and farming. Um, so you just have to understand, you have to have a little bit of faith that if you're passionate about something, other people will. And then if you're growing something that you're passionate about, you're going to do a way better job. Like you're going to do a better job of growing it and you're going to do a better job of promoting it. 
which is really what you need to do. You need to like convince people that they, that this is a good plan, you know? So like, I could be like, well, I think, you know, I, I, there's a lot of money in like, in uh, ornamental shrubs. So I'm going to grow ornamental shrubs. And then, and then I start growing all these spireas and lilacs that I don't really feel excited about. And I'm trying to sell them. I'm like, yeah, you should grow this spirea. I, I can't really sell it. I can only sell something that I'm like, you got to try this, you know, like this hascap over here that I'm excited about, or this gummy bush or this elderberry is amazing. Like I never seen anything grow like it. So if you're growing, if you're selling stuff that you're growing because you love growing it, then that love will be felt by your customer base and they'll respond to that uh, rather than feeling like you're just trying to like trick them and you know, you know what I mean? Or you're just trying to like make them happy. You know, it's like a relationship. So you're just trying to make somebody happy. It's not the same as if you're like just coming from a place of, of real love. So let's go a little further deeper into that and actually choosing the cultivars. So you're starting with the ones that you're really passionate about and that you want to see more of in the world or that you have a special relationship with. And like you said, it makes it easier to sell it in a genuine way of your own enthusiasm and excitement. But there are some practical concerns, I'm sure. And you can't just go and, you know, find the rarest little species that never has, has never been heard of by anybody or that there's not really any market for. And, and there's also the question to be had between a huge amount of diversity and just focusing on a couple of things that you could do at volume. What were some of those decision-making processes like for you? Um, well, I actually do think you could pick the rarest little thing. Yeah. And I think you find people that, that also think it's cool. And, and even if they didn't, you could tell them about it. And they're like, really? Wow. You know, like... Um, I, th I think you could do that. Um, when I started, I was really into chestnuts. Um, that was definitely the focus um, by far of what I wanted to grow. And I wanted to grow as many different species of chestnut as I could and hybrids. And I just really was obsessed with them. And, but I thought that nobody really wanted them. Like I thought I was the only one, it felt like. I felt like there was nobody wanted chestnuts and locally I was connecting with very few people that wanted to plant a lot of chestnut trees. Um, but I just kept talking about them and writing about them and I made like YouTube videos about them. And uh, now it's like, it's ridiculous. I can't even believe I thought that before. Um, I don't know how I made different decisions. Uh, certain things definitely sold out faster than others. Um, in the beginning, like in the beginning, I, I was like hackberry. It's like a very obscure tree that nobody really knows about. And it has a horrible name. And like, I couldn't sell, I couldn't sell hackberries. I remember growing them and then selling like a, a, like three or four and having like a couple hundred extra and not sure what to do with them and feeling really bad. Um, but, but now I, I, I had somebody I had two people write to me recently, one requesting 500 pounds of hackberry seed, which is insane. And then someone else asking for hundred pounds of seed. Um, and then the hackberry trees themselves that I grow are, are going to sell out immediately. Um, so I don't, I don't really know. I think that, I think the, the internet kind of is so powerful in that you can connect with all these different types of groups of people 
and there's a niche market for everything. You know, you could be like, I just want to grow medicinal plants that need 90% shade. And you will find like a, a whole group of people that are, that are into that. I, I really think you can grow anything. And I think that it doesn't, I almost think it doesn't matter what you choose as long as you actually are excited about it. And then, and you have, and you do believe that there's other people that are, and I, if you don't think there's other people that are maybe look around, like go look at some forums, do some Google searches. Um, and maybe you won't even find like another nursery that does it, which might make it even better, you know? Um, but, uh, but usually you will find somebody growing and selling things. I, I can't think of any plants that I want to grow that there isn't a group of people that would be really into it. Yeah, that is the nice part about having access to such a large community through the internet. Uh, so let's talk about some of the care for the plants themselves, and especially for people who are new to plant propagation. What are some resources or some ways of learning that you would, would recommend and maybe even some tree or plant varieties that are really easy to get started with? Well, I know people hate, I'm going to say this, but trial and error, like you just got to start getting your hands in the dirt and trying to, you know, put seeds in the ground, put cuttings in the ground, see what works, see what doesn't. I mean, there's, there's easy, like, you know, willows or willows, even though I just said you can sell anything. There's, you can sell them, but uh, some like things that I, sometimes the things that are really popular are harder to propagate especially the some of these berries like sea berries and gummies like what is that called when something gets really popular and everybody wants to wear like the same kind of sneaker or something you know what i mean oh, like it's, it's like in a, fashion or it's yeah yeah like a fad or something there's certain plants that are like in fashion right now it's like sea berries that are like really like everybody's like i gotta grow my sea berries and like are difficult to propagate it's slow right whereas like black currants it's just like shove a branch in the ground and you have a huge beautiful plant the next year uh with fruit on it you know and uh elderberries are super easy um but yeah i i, I think i'm getting distracted by myself what what was the question, what was the question? <laughs> no, no it's okay um yeah, I mean, just talking about where to get started in propagation, you were saying trial and error, but there's also a couple of varieties that take pretty easily and are, are pretty forgiving. Right. I really think, you know, it goes back to my original thing I was saying about growing what you're excited about, because everything has a learning curve to it, every plant. Like, but if you're passionate about it and you're like, I really want to grow sea berries, then you're going to figure it out. Like none of these plants are that hard. Even people who are like, I want to grow you know, some rare orchid, they figure it out. And before you know it, they're making tons and tons of plants. Um, and then there's a new expert, the plant, right? Yeah, I mean, the, you become an expert on it. And and the, the thing with all these plants is there is a method that's going to work. And once you figure it out, it's like, it's brainless. You know, it's like once you figure out how to store and plant chestnut seeds, you, you kind of got it. Like there's not, it's not, it's, it's not like a real complicated thing, any of them, even if you're like, well, I just want to do something that requires a mist system and bottom heat and soft, you know, middle of summer softwood cuttings. It's like the most difficult propagation there is. And that, that, you know, but then you figure out your system and it might take you two or three seasons to do it. 
But once you figure it out, it's endless. You can grow as many plants as you want. You know, once you figure out, okay, this is how I can make this plant replicate itself, then you can replicate it and replicate the replicates. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, 10,000 plants or a hundred thousand plants or whatever you want. It's plant propagation is it's you're growing off living things. So it, it goes really fast once you figure it out. So I think if you just are like, well, I want to grow this thing, then grow it and figure out a good system. And then, and then you, even for me, I get like bored. I'm like, oh, I already did that. So then I'm like, want to do something else. You know, it's like, once you figure something out, it's suddenly not as exciting anymore. Um, which I think is a mental problem, but it's okay. No, I think that's really important, especially, I mean, if you're going to be your own boss, try not to get yourself into a boring rut. Otherwise it kind of defeats the point of working for yourself. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, you might as well just be like making sneakers or something. <laughs> it's gotta be like a little bit challenging and interesting. And, um, but you can also like have other people help you and, you know, you can just, and then you can tell them like, so now like I have people that work for me. And so I'm like, I'll just be like, start all those chestnuts over there start the elderberries there. And then, and then I'll go work on something totally different. Um, Cause as I already got the system in place for those species and each species, I think has its own requirements and nuances. Um, you know, like mulberry seeds are very straightforward but it took me several tries before I figured it out. So. Yeah, for sure. And whatever varieties or conditions that each person is working in, they're going to have to find adaptations and specific ways to make it work in their context too. So definitely. You well, it's not even just like your climate and everything. And it's also like you have access to different materials, right? Some people live in urban areas. They have access to like totally different types of mulch than I do. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different considerations. For sure. Now, you've said a number of times in your videos and in your writing that you really don't need anything to start up a tree nursery. You can just start gathering genetic material, either seeds or, or cuttings, and put them in the ground. You don't even need particularly good soil. That being said, what things do you think are actually worth investing in in the beginning to get things moving in a direction that you want and perhaps some tools or some equipment that is really useful to have if you can afford it? You know, when I started my nursery business, I was raising my, I had babies being born and, uh, and we didn't have any extra money. So I never spent a dollar on the nursery that the nursery didn't generate first. I didn't spend like 20 bucks to buy something and then hope to make it back ever. Um, but, uh, but once I started making money, then I felt more comfortable spending it. Um, I would say like one of the best things you can have is a good nursery spade, like a good shovel that, uh, cause if you're digging, if you're doing trees, um, but like really good hand tools makes a big difference. You know, you can go to like King of Spades or AM Leonard and get like these tools that are, it's like a hundred dollar shovel. And, uh, it's all one piece of steel and the blade is twice as long as a regular shovel from a Home Depot or something. And uh, you can get forks like that too. And then it just makes it so much easier to dig trees out of the ground. So that's one thing I'd spend money on. Um, building a website is another, but you know, I wouldn't spend like a lot of money on a website. 
just enough to like have a page up there and get some presents. Um, what else would I spend money on? Maybe I'd spend money on soil. Like I'll pay somebody to deliver a big dump truck of cow manure. Uh, pretty much, you know, that's money well spent, I think, or, or wood chips or sawdust or whatever you have access to. Um, you don't need a, a truck, even if you're selling locally, like it's so much cheaper to have items delivered than it is to pay to keep a truck on the road. Like if you have your little pickup truck and you're driving back and forth to like the wood chip pile, that might seem cool, but it's so much cheaper just to pay someone a few hundred dollars to bring you a pile of wood chips. And then you're not paying for maintenance and insurance and upkeep of a truck. Uh, the truck is kind of like this. I think it's a, I think it's a real common way that people think that they want to start a farm. And so they buy a truck and it, I think it costs a lot of money. And I, I don't think it's money well spent. I think you could save so much money if you're just like, you know what? I just can get shit delivered or stuff delivered. And then you can also like, uh, you can borrow a truck sometimes or rent one, you know, like let's say you're just doing potted plants and you need to bring them all to a, to a fair. So rent a truck for a day. It's not a big deal. Or just use your regular car and put a hitch on it and get a small trailer because most cars can tow uh, a couple thousand pounds even just like a little honda accord can can tow quite a bit so uh you know i think you can save a lot of money by not getting a truck but as far as buying stuff i would just buy soil amendments nice hand tools and a, a website can't think of anything else i spend money on you can buy seeds and stuff but make sure you're not spending too much money on seeds that you don't know if they're going to work or not yeah, that's good advice. You forage most of your own, right? You have trees that you yeah. know of in your select area and you know when they, they drop seed or fruit or whatever and, and go to collect them there? Every, everywhere I go, my eyes are open and uh, I collect seed from parking lots and parks and the woods and hedgerows and people's yards, like all over the place. I'm constantly finding really good mother trees. I just found like an hour ago, um, I stopped at this, my friend had to go to this grocery store and on the way I, I was in the car with him and I saw this wild pear covered in fruit and it's like almost December 1st and there's this pear tree covered in fruit. I was like, wow, I've never seen a pear bearing that late. So that's just really interesting genetics that I can access. And it's just right on the side of the highway. Um, but uh, I don't know. And there's, there's just there's plant material everywhere if you're into stuff and then yeah you and then also build my own stock up over the years that takes a lot longer than foraging for stuff but uh i also visit botanical gardens and arboretums and um you're not supposed to collect from some of these places but <laughs> sometimes you just have to take a few seeds or something or Cause then you're just going to make it into so much more, you know, you take it back to your place. And then, you know, I took like one cutting of this Rubykin's willow from an arboretum once. And uh, now I have like huge hedges of it. And like, if somebody said I want a thousand Rubykin cuttings, like it would be no problem. Um, so, you know, you can really expand on stuff like that. 
And what a fantastic way to interact with the environment around you too, when you're constantly looking out for ways and materials to propagate more of the plants that you want to see more of. Right. And I would say like, it's not coming from like, like a attitude of greed of like, where can I get, what can I get? It's more just like, I'm really fascinated by plant communities. Like everywhere I go, I'm just like, and what people are doing to them. is like amazing to me, you know? And, uh, and so I, everywhere I go, I'm just curiously looking at the landscape to see like, oh, look, that hillside is covered in, in this brush. You know, the autumn olives really took over here or like this is all oak and it's all stunted. And everywhere I go, I'm constantly, I love looking at plant communities because they like tell stories of all this stuff that's happened. And just by looking for those stories and just trying to see, you know, where do the deer go and where are songbirds and and what are people doing with these lawns and where's their hedgerows and what are those hedgerows made out of and how does that plant behave and um just by doing that i naturally find mother trees where i'm like whoa like it'll just be like all of a sudden you're like whoa you know you stops you in your tracks when you see a, an exceptional specimen and that happens pretty regularly the more that you're looking at plants all right, thanks once again to Akiva Silver. You can find more about Akiva's work through the Twisted Tree website, and you can find his book Trees of Power at ChelseaGreen.com. I also highly recommend checking out the catalog of plants that they have available at the Twisted Tree Nurseries online store for inspiration for all of the high-value saplings that you could grow. Now before you go, remember that these episodes are only the beginning of the ongoing conversations happening around these topics on the Regenerative Skills Discord server. It's always free to you and unlike other social media platforms that were created with complex algorithms used to mine your personal data in order to sell you more junk, this channel was created for the free exchange of ideas, stories, and mutual support among the growing regenerative pioneers. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be exploring questions like, what plants have you had success or failures in propagating? Are there any healthy and high value plants on your property or nearby that you could gather seeds or cuttings from to grow and to sell? Now, I've been playing around with plant propagation for quite a few years now, beyond just planting seeds. My friends Neil and Jeremy, who many of you will remember from the Regenerative Roundtable episodes when I lived back in Guatemala, were the ones who really taught me a ton and got me excited about just how easy and rewarding it can be to grow pretty much any plant that you like for little or no money. Since then, I've been passionate about showing others as well. In the last year, I've grown figs, grapefruits, oaks, mimosas, hackberry, and many more from cuttings and seeds. What powerful plant allies will you bring into the world with this skill? So that's our show for this week. Don't forget to keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative future, and I'll be right by your side along the way. <laughs>